Nursing Review podcast is an audio extension of the national nursing publication, Nursing Review, available in print, web, e-newsletter, offering the latest news, trends, interviews and insights in nursing education. Subscribe to Nursing Review today by going to www.nursingreview.com.au and click on the no obligation four-week trial subscription link. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy our latest Nursing Review podcast. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by Liz Callaghan, CEO of Palliative Care Australia. Thanks for joining me, Liz. Thanks, Dallas. An issue that Palliative Care Australia would like to see addressed in the budget is the area of workforce shortages. Why is this an important area to look into at the moment in relation to palliative care? Well, Dallas, if we don't have the workers, we can't provide the care and health workforce remains an unresolved issue for the health system. We also need to expand the way we think about palliative care across the whole workforce. A a siloed system won't be enough. We need to encourage all of the health workforce to be aware of and champion quality palliative care. And we think that... um, Uh, and we're calling on the government to partner with um, and get the support of all the states and and territory governments um, and develop a palliative care workforce strategy that identifies workforce resources required across all service types and embeds that palliative care into the education and training of all health professionals across their careers. That's that's, um, uh, what we're suggesting um, and that's, that's one of our budget asks. What are some of the most important aspects of care that need to be focused on in the workforce strategy? I guess, if you you know, access to care um, is dependent on your location and range of services available. And I guess we'd we'd be saying that um, we want um, people who deliver end-of-life care, palliative care, um, to have the competencies to provide... um, good end-of-life care that's that's of a standard um, that the community should expect. So that's, I mean, it's uh, really, and we think that that starts with education and training of all health professionals uh, across their careers um, into uh, understanding what good end-of-life care looks like. Where do the main workforce shortages lie and, and what can be done to address this? Mm. There, there are... Um, about 730,000 workers in the health services industry, um, and that's that's a that's an increase from 2005, where there was about 600,000. But a pro- the proportion of those aged over 55 and over uh, have risen 15% um, in that period of time, from 15% to 19% uh, by 2010. If you're just talking about specialist palliative medicine, specialist palliative medicine specialists make up um, nearly four in every 100,000 um, uh, population. So that they make up 0.38% of specialists. Um, so they're, they're, there's quite a, a shortage um, there. Um, and there's an estimated 92 um, uh, palliative care specialists working in Australia. Um, there, there are a number of vocational trainees um, as well, so that the, the numbers are increasing, but still um, to have 0.4 full-time um, equivalent specialist palliative medicine physicians per 100,000 of population is still um, a small number, we think. Um, and, and it varies across states and territories. So um, 
if you look at um, uh, in Victoria, there were 0.3 um, FTE um, per 100,000 population uh, and same for Western Australia. New South Wales is a little bit better. They're 0.5 um, per 100,000, as is South Australia. And there are no, no specialists recorded in the Northern Territory. Um, and I think during 2011, almost 9 out of 10 um, full-time equivalent specialist palliative medicine physicians worked in the major cities. So, um, And once population sizes for each remoteness area are taken into account, the um, FTE specialist palliative medicine physicians per 100,000 of the population is the highest for major cities at 0.5, followed by outer regional 0.3 and inner regional 0.2. So I guess that they're... The shortage, um, there's a, there's a, if you're just looking at medicine, there's a shortage of um, uh, specialist palliative medicine um, physicians. There are a number of uh, palliative care nurse practitioners across the country, but again, um, there, there could be uh, many more. But equally, um, if you're thinking about aged care, there, there needs to be, um, I guess, a general... Um, uh, increasing of skill across the whole workforce. Um, uh, so we we need the specialist services and we need that specialist input for complex cases, but not everyone who's dying is, is complex. How can these numbers be increased or how can healthcare professional skills be boosted? Mm. Well, I think, um, I mean, I think everyone, in terms of specialties, every specialty would like their numbers increased Um and there's all, always very good reasons for that. So, um, and I think, but there is a finite amount of um, funding available to do that. I think the best thing that we can hope for is to try and embed, as I said, um, palliative care, I guess, uh, competencies, if you like, and skills as a as a part of the core curriculum for all undergraduate, postgraduate, and continuing education courses, so that people are able to provide good end of life care, uh, no matter the setting, no matter the location. Um, uh, that's that's really what we're we're asking for. Another area Palliative Care Australia would like to see addressed in the budget is the current services in community based care. What's the current state of play there and where can improvements be made? So community-based care, um, in order to access community-based care, it really does depend on your location and the range of, of services available. There's, this, is, this is an area that um, uh, Palliative Care Australia is really interested in, I guess, um, learning a little bit more about and talking to government about. Um, we know that um, a PCA survey done a couple of years ago showed that almost 70% of people want to die at home if they're, if they're asked that question. We also know that sometimes these people that do want to die at home can't always stay at home. Um, so we'd like people to have choice at the end of their life. But certainly um, dying at home is, is, is definitely a strong preference for people. Um, I think, um, you know, there was some work released last year by the Grattan Institute, um, called, a piece of work called Dying Well, um, and there was also a Senate Community Affairs References Committee inquiry into palliative care that both supported um, the movement or the increase um, in access to community-based palliative care. And there are really good reasons to do that. So there's the... the um, 
I guess, meeting the, the social need or the personal reasons of people wanting to die at home. So we should be able to support them where we can. But it's also um, a more efficient way for government to fund health services. In California, there was some research released by the Berkeley Foundation just before Christmas that uh, said if they transferred um, uh, an amount of uh, health funding dollars, which they had modelled, done an economic model, out into the community and, and increased um, uh, access to community-based palliative care services, they could save $1.1 billion off the health budget within seven years. And so that, that's a big benefit for California. And the state of California is about the same population as Australia. So we could have real, real savings there. So there's there's an economic reason to do it, but more importantly, um, I think um, the community and, and government, we, we all want to try and meet patients' wishes, um, particularly at the end of life. We only have uh, one one go at dying <laughs> and um, to get it right is really important for families and friends and um, the difference between having a well-supported, um, caring um I guess, end of life period. And it's not always just about the end, of course. Um, let me say, palliative care provides um, services to help people live as well as they can in the community for as long as they can. Uh, and that works best in the community, not in a hospital setting. So um, uh, I think um, uh, the the benefit of, of doing this, um, as I said, is in increased um, efficiency um, and you probably would improve access to, to quality palliative care services and reduce the pressure on hospitals and possibly residential aged care if that, that was supported. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you for joining me, Liz. Oh, thank you, Dallas. Okay. Nursing Review podcast is an audio extension of the national nursing publication Nursing Review, available in print, web, e-newsletter, offering the latest news, trends, interviews and insights in nursing education. Subscribe to Nursing Review today by going to www.nursingreview.com.au and click on the no obligation four-week trial subscription link. 